Pulls up the three. Boom! Knocks it down. Curry from the corner at three. Puts it in. For overtime. Makes it. Garrett. Hello from me, Mark Woods. Welcome once again to the MVP cast. Thank you so much for downloading the podcast. Lots of news on the website at present and our social channels, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search for MVP 24-7. Now, we've got a first it's a new team in the WBBL this season. It's a three and seven start for the Gloucester City Queens. Lots of big plans, of course, down in the West Country. And we've got one of their top players joining us on the podcast this time. Right, Claire Abbott, welcome very to the MVP cast. Oh, thank you very much. Now, you're a Canadian. We've had plenty of Canadians on, on this show before. But you're from Yukon, which I, I had to must admit, I had to look up in the map because we've heard of the Yukon Territory and the Gold Rush and all things like that. It's, it's the big part adjoining Alaska. Yeah. And I have to say, the photos look spectacular. Tell me about Yukon. Well, growing up there, I was not shy to doing a lot of outdoor activities so hiking canoeing kayaking camping and we have a cabin out of town and we used to live out of town so living off grid with no running water and no electricity i am not shy to getting my hands dirty so that's a large portion of the yukon but also it is a growing city now so we have a lot of diversity multiculturalism and we have a large first nations population and it's a beautiful place with it's in a valley so we have mountains surrounding um the downtown area and you have access to so many different hikes and activities and it's just a wonderful place with really great people as well living off the grid i mean you we all read about people who do it you've experienced you have no electricity etc etc how does it work (laughs) Well, so we actually had a few different methods. So we had um, solar panels um, that are charged by the sun, as well as wind power. And then we also had a generator that we would turn on in cases of uh, if we wanted to use, say, a TV or um, putting our lights on. Um, But mostly we relied on um, our source of heat was a wood stove. So we would chop wood, carry haul wood, and then use our wood stove to cook and as well heat the house. What sort of perspectives does that, you know, experiencing that, growing up with that as a regular basis, what, what does that kind of, what is, how does it shape you as a person when you've, you've been able to live the simple life? Mm-hmm. That's a good question because one thing that it really did was really force you to tap into your creativity. Uh, as kids, we would make forts outside. We would be running around. <laughs> we could be as loud as we wanted to. And um, one thing that was really important to our family was music. So we spent a lot of time playing music and practicing and um, as well as sports, but that required us to to drive into town. Um, So when we were out of town, a lot of time was spent playing and being creative and then really like quality family time. So really spending time with the family and having to be creative with the activities that we came into bid. I mean, I've been to Toronto. And, it, and it's, a, it's a beautiful city, but it, mm-hmm. it feels very North American in a sense. Does mm-hmm. it feel different if you're out in, you know, in the territory, so far from the, the bright lights in the big city? 
I well, I actually moved to Ottawa when I was going into grade ten. So I actually have experience living in both situations, and I can tell you, I'm a small town girl. I I love being in the middle of nowhere, and the hustle bustle of the city is great and all, but um, it, it's it's such a unique experience living in such a rural and small place. Um, but basketball in a big city is where it's at no question you have access to facility you have access to the best coaching in the country so that's really where my basketball kind of took off was once I left the territory because we were getting about five or six games a season in high school (laughs) (laughs) compared to 30 to 35 games in a regular season when I moved to the big city so it was a huge change I do want to know how cold does it get Oh, <laughs> so this winter, it's with windshield, it got to about minus 47. Is that Celsius or Fahrenheit? Celsius. That's mind blowing. Yes. And I was sitting here in England and going outside and getting the shivers and then reminding myself that I have no place to complain because back home was beyond freezing. <laughs> I mean, I've got, I've got friends just back from Winter Olympics and I, kn- I knew the gear that they were wearing. And I think that was about minus 20. I mean, yeah. how many layers do you wear to cope with that? Oh, you definitely have to pull out the merino wool. So wool socks, you have to have a base layer, snow pants, and three or four layers on top, along with a nice warm winter jacket. <laughs> Absolutely crazy. Um, yeah. Basketball there. Um, I mean, you said you obviously had to move to the big city. What? Let's, let's go back to first principles here. You mm-hmm. said about so few games a year. I mean... How are you are you traveling long distances between games is it you know is it how, how tricky is it to be a basketball person in in the wilderness so in the yukon we have three high schools and so that's primarily our regular season we would play the same two high schools over and over again but we would do trips out to alaska so we've been uh, to a couple places um when i was in in high school but mostly during our high school basketball season we would just be playing the other two the kicker is in the summers that's when we would have access to the western canada summer games or the canada games where we would be playing against the other territories and provinces so we would be playing against the best girls from each province Um, and perfect example would be from ontario playing against a kia nurse which was absolutely (laughs) mind-blowing but um yeah we would we would try our best to get out of the territory as much as we could. But again, having access to facilities, coaches, and even just like the quality of basketball, it it was very difficult, especially in such a small town. What's it like though, when you go to to Ottawa? I mean, I mean, you said you're a small town girl. I mean, is it, Mm -hmm. is it a very, very different basketball culture? Yeah, it was quite overwhelming, but, um, One thing that differentiated people, I would say, from players that played from the Yukon and bigger city is that we really have a sense of pride in working hard just because our talent level wasn't as high as all the other provinces. But one thing that we could pride ourselves on was the never giving up factor, regardless of what the score was or how how down you were in a game it's that never giving up piece and I think that's one thing that the territory has always prided itself on 
um, and continues to do so. Um, so when I was when I came to Ottawa, although it was quite overwhelming with the change of ethnicities and being surrounded by basketball 24/7, um, that's one thing that I did bring with me, and that that created a sense of urgency for speeding up my my skill as well. How do you um, how do you end up playing in this country? Because you started at Oakland so two three years ago now. Yeah, um, actually, it's a kind of a funny story. So um, I was coaching table tennis at the Canada Winter Games, and I ran into one of my old teammates and a girl that I used to play against in the Canadian League, so the OUA, so the CIS, and she had played in England a couple years before that. And so I was asking her questions and because my interest had peaked to play. And so she was telling me all about it. And then she connected me with the coach. And then that's really how it all started. Um, my university coach is, um, her name's Mark Jones. She's actually the Leicester Riders mm. head coach for the WBBL. She was in my ear as soon as I graduated, but I really wanted to kickstart my career as a social worker. So I, I kind of said, well, you know, I'll think about it. But right now I just want to focus on my career. And then I also, was able to get a head coaching position as well. So that kind of took my attention away from pursuing pro basketball until that itch came when I realized that I wasn't done playing yet. Well, come back to that, but you're, you're here in Ancestry Visa. So what's the family tree like with this country? So my grandmother on my dad's side was born in London. And so he actually spent a couple of years working in London as well. So it's quite cool. He'll he'll message me telling me places where I need to go check out and and uh, be a tourist. Sometimes it's difficult being a tourist and playing basketball, but I'm trying my best. <laughs> What's I mean, I mean, you get the uh, obviously, you, you, you know, have some links. I presume you'd never visited here before you came to Oakland. No. No, I had never been to the UK before coming to Oakland, so it was it was very cool being able to come to where my grandmother was born, and then as well as um, just exploring somewhere new and exciting. Have you done the kind of who do you think you are thing of you know finding what street she was born in and looking up the house or any of those kind of trips back down family memory lane? Uh, I haven't yet, but my grandmother was actually born in Essex. So when we play against them, I will definitely be be staying and taking a yonder down memory lane for sure. Divert the bus. That's or divert <laughs> the cars. That's what you need to do. <laughs> yeah. Tour, tour of Essex. Um, you, you talked about you being a social worker because that was what your your degree was or your, your graduate degree. Um, where, where's the interest in that lie? Because it's such a diverse kind of employment and there's so many facets to it. Um, but it's mm -hmm. a job, most people who do it are very passionate about it because it is such an important role. Where, where did the fascination lie for you? Honestly, it really stemmed from my mom. Um, she's such a caring and giving individual. And growing up, we were always involved in Girl Guides and a lot of what we revolved our work in Girl Guides was, was giving back to the community. So volunteering at the Salvation Army, at the Mary House, and then doing a lot of Halloween for Hungers and collecting non-perishables. And my older sister, actually, she, she was a huge activist. And so she traveled 
quite a bit for it as well. So just having people surrounding me that really had a deep sense of care for others kind of sparked that in me as well. And so when I was deciding what I wanted to do at university, it was like, okay, well, like, I have to think about what I want to do for the rest of my life. And what really gives me purpose is seeing others light up with joy when you give them their power and when you show them that anything is really possible if you put your mind to it and just showing them that there is a way. Um, And so that really where it stemmed from was my family and um, having some really great role models growing up. Um, So when I graduated from university and I got um, my first full-time position, it was with a program called Employment and Training Services. And essentially that is helping those that have any type of barrier to employment. So physical, mental, and even if it was like a single mom who was out of the workforce for a while, what I would do is that we would meet and we would figure out what their strengths are and their weaknesses is and their, what their, um, what they would like to work in. And so I would link them up with um, a position that would best fit their needs with that support. So they would have me to fall back on when I, if there was any issues or if they just needed someone to talk to. So it was a really empowering position for me to be in so fresh out of university and just to see the impact of just simply being kind had on people. It was, it was quite incredible. And this was back in Yukon, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it, being in such a rural area, mm-hmm. obviously you've got First Nation populations as well who will, who will have different challenges of, of their own. Um, mm-hmm. How difficult does it be, you know, do you have? Because you must, you know, there must be such different issues and you've got you know, personal issues or you know, health issues or things like homelessness or, homeless or whatever, or particular, you know, ethnic issues, as you said. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, must, it must have given you a huge range of situations and challenges to have to confront definitely and um one thing that actually is going on currently in the yukon is an opioid crisis um so it's it's very eye-opening because it's it's a reflection of a bigger issue that's going on in the community and even ranging from like in the territories and the provinces as well but um, because we have such a large First Nations population, um, we need to look at like colonialism and how residential schools have had such an impact on our community and continue to have such an impact. And like looking at, okay, well, why are people still leaning on addiction and drugs and alcohol to cope with what is happening? And so I think it's like a, a really really important issue to talk about because it's affecting it if it affects someone it's affecting the community and um yeah it's it's definitely something that's that's ongoing and it runs really deep in our community but one that's not really got an easy solution because it's the nature of addiction and i know we've seen so much about you know, opioids and the horrendously damaging effects that they leave behind Exactly. Yeah. So one of the strategies that has been talked about at the, uh, there was a mental health summit that recently happened in the Yukon. And one thing that um, was discussed was having a safe injection sites, as well as having a safe place to go to test the drugs that are being used because dirty drugs are coming into the Yukon. And that's what's causing the higher rates of 
of death because now the naloxone kits aren't working. What's stopping that overdose from happening is now not working. And so it, it, it's not about shame, shaming those that have addiction. It's about, okay, well, how can we create a safe environment for those people to feel heard and seen and can use in a safe place? I mean, it's, it's quite the contrast from playing basketball from one it job is. to another. Um, it really is. Do you feel that, is there, is there lessons that you've learned from sports you know and, and obviously having to deal with challenges very different kind of challenges let's face it not 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 the trickiest challenge in the world com compared to some of the people that you work with but mm -hmm. is there things that you took from the environment of being an athlete that you were able to take back into the other realm oh, that's a really good question and 100 percent, i think that when you are taught that especially structure when you have structure when you have purpose and one thing that i really learned playing basketball is like you need to have um i call it a north star something that guides you that guides your words your thoughts your actions and then what that does is it creates a focus and then when you have a focus you have something that your mind will not allow you to be distracted from and i think one thing that really stuck with me from basketball was building skills like I call it a toolbox and I this is what I did when I was coaching my girls is like okay well what are skills that we can teach you on the court off the court that will serve you outside of the basketball court so okay performing under pressure how many times in your life are you going to be faced with a pressure situation where you have to think clearly and calm yourself and breathe through situations that are difficult all the time? So why not incorporate that on court? So then, but then getting them to make the link of, okay, this can also play into real life situations. So then we're getting people or very like young women thinking and having these skills that will then lead them to be leaders so they can make change in their community as well because that's another thing that i really that why i love coaching so much is you empower those that are below you so then they can take what they learn from you and pass it along to those younger than them as well and presumably you'll go back to this come the summertime. Yes, yes, and I'm I'm actually working with one of my my friends. She's um, she's working in justice, and um, in the First Nations community, and I'm working on a proposal for a basketball camp for First Nations for the summer. So, for me, my number one thing that I'm thinking is okay. Well, how can we incorporate bringing culture? and their religion into play so they can have the skills to go out in life but also respecting their culture and respecting the land that we live on and incorporating that kind of thinking into sport because at the end of the day like life is so much more than the sport we play and I think that sometimes is lost when you get into like when you get just lost in the environment that you're in but I always try and remind myself of think think outside the box think bigger like this is only 
a small portion of your life but what can you take from this experience like what can you take from england what can you take from learning from being on a new franchise and in a new place surrounding by by people that you can bring back home and then teach the people that are back home where i'm from you mentioned about getting the coaching position and this is mm-hmm. you know, going back to 2009 yes but that that was a year where things didn't really go to plan for you Mm-hmm. What happened? Um, so in 2000, and, um, this was 2019, I, um, I unfortunately ended up in the hospital with an internal bleed. And I was unable to play or coach for quite some time um, as I was recovering from that. And whenever something is taken away from you, um, and in this case, it was my physical ability because I wasn't able to move for for. I think it was a couple months that I wasn't able to do anything physical. So it really makes you realize how fortunate and how like things can be like with the blink of an eye, things can change. And so that really stems into gratitude. So being grateful for what you have. Um, And so when that happened to me, um, that really got my mind going being like, okay, well, Maybe right now I can't run around on the basketball court or coach the way I want to, but I can still use my mind. And so instead of sitting there thinking, poor me, which don't get me wrong, I had moments of weakness. But what really got me was thinking, okay, I have people that are counting on me. So I need to come up with something to do while I'm recovering that will enhance and so um, in those months, it was really about, okay, watching film, reading books, listening to podcasts, connecting with people, finding someone that had more knowledge than I did and asking them questions. And so what started happening was that when I came back to playing, it, that cardio was the only thing that really needed to come back because... I had been working a different muscle the whole time that I was injured. And it was quite incredible um, just seeing how, like just with discipline and focus and having that North Star got me through that. I mean, you came back and you said about scratching an edge when you signed for Oakland and now obviously for Mm -hmm. Gloucester. And does does it feel like that's enough for you or you having had a taste of it i mean do do you see yourself in a position where you want to play for a few more years or until the legs give out before you completely go back into social work or or something of that nature i always said that i would play until my body wouldn't let me anymore (laughs) (laughs) but um i think that what I'm starting to realize as I'm getting older is that I do need more than just, just playing basketball. Um, And so the coaching piece is something that really fills that gap because you can, you can still give back in that sense. Um, Because the, my social work job in the Yukon, it, it will always be there. Um, And so right now I think, the what what's next for me is a master's degree 
is furthering my education because the world is ever changing and I think that there's so much more that I need to learn and I would doing, be doing myself and my community a disservice if I, if I didn't pursue more knowledge. And so will, do you see yourself as a high school head coach, college head coach, pro head coach? Hey, anything is possible. I mean, if the opportunity came, I would not back down from it, but it would have to feel right. And I think that's another thing that I've learned is that just because an opportunity comes up for you, it has to be, it has to feel right. It has to be a good fit in order for it to be something that I want to pursue. So if it felt good, 100%, definitely. I want to ask you about Queens, but I'm going to touch on one thing you said. And I don't want to let it go with, without comment. Um, ping pong ace. From, te- from your table tennis prime. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yes, I used to play competitive table tennis growing up as well. And let me tell you, it does wonders for your eye-hand coordination. <laughs> 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 I, I've got a, I've got a friend Gordy who I used to play basketball with who switched for many reasons back into table tennis and he swore that you never lose it so I'm gonna <laughs> guess that you can still rock a ping pong bat like no one else can in Gloucester. I'm up for a challenge. Give me a table and a racket and I'll be there. <laughs> um, let's talk about the Queens. Um, so it's a first season new franchise. Um, how do you find that experience of being sort of a part of something brand new and you know that's, that's just got off the ground? Mm-hmm. It's a challenge. And I think that there's a beauty in it because there's a lot of new. There's so many different things that you have to take initiative on yourself. And it takes a very special group of people to make something like this happen. And like, don't get me wrong, there has been ups and there's been downs. But one thing that I can describe this group is resilient. And, um, I always say, if there's any challenge, I always call it character building. So <laughs> any situation that comes and it's it's difficult, I would say, you know what? This is an opportunity to build yourself because there's there's only two ways to respond and you can fall off and it can become something really negative or you can see the beauty in it and say, okay, well, how can this help me grow? How can this make me a better person? How can this make me a better player? And how can I overcome situations and so that's what this season has been all about is character building what's been the reception like in gloucester because this, this is part of a bigger project you know part of the gloucester sport sporting club if you will and so there's plans potentially to move to gloucester university next year with a, a different bigger arena mm-hmm. there's obviously the plans to put the gloucester city kings and create them and go into the, the bbl but you guys are the you're the boots on the ground of this project what's the reaction mm-hmm. been like in the city of gloucester Uh, You can feel it when you're at a home game. Our crowd is absolutely amazing. And the response that we've had from community members, we have people coming up to us just saying, it's like, it's so much fun to watch you play. And I think that's so electrifying when you have that kind of response from the community. And um, one lady in particular who has been such a great um, supporter is Julie. And um, we've, a few of my teammates and I have at the beginning of the season, especially have um, done some volunteer work with Pied Piper. And so just having her come up to you at the end of the game and giving you a big hug, regardless of how sweaty you are and just <laughs> saying, wow, it's like such a great job, you know, it, it's, it's really special. And um, 
you can tell that it's becoming more heard of and our home games are becoming more packed and people are talking about how exciting it is to come watch us play so it's really it's really exciting to see how like basketball can have such an impact on the community I mean, you guys are ninth place in the league, so you're just outside the playoff places at the minute. I mean, we're, mm-hmm. we're in that final stretch heading towards the, the cutoff for the, the top eight. Um, what's the level of optimism about making playoffs in year one? You know what? I think that anything is possible. So I still think that we have the potential to make playoffs, but it is going to be tough just because of the situation we're in with with the the, we've had so many changes in the last six months and like even with covid i think that we've had i think every player on our team has been hit with covid now so just having those ups and downs um like i was saying that that word resiliency really um pops out to me to describe this group because regardless of what situation we're in if for example we didn't have access to our court for a couple of weeks so we were practicing at three different venues all week long and just speaking to the quality of people that we have on our team as well like it is possible for us to make playoffs but it's going to be a grind and it's going to taste discipline and focus but if we can come together as a team i think it it's more than possible Let's finish off with with our usual three questions to, to, to inject a piece of you know, philosophy into these proceedings. Um, if you could trade places with anyone, anyone in the world, any kind of sector or position, who would you trade it with? Kobe, hands down. Nice. Yeah. Um, if you could go anywhere, obviously COVID, war in Eastern Europe, you have small details, but if you could go anywhere in the world, where would you go? Ooh, the first place that popped into my head was Egypt. And I think it's because I'm reading the book, The Alchemist right now. <laughs> but um, my dad actually traveled to Egypt and he raved about it as well. So I'm going to stick with my answer. Egypt. Another place you follow in his footsteps. Yeah, it's like touch of Indiana Jones, <laughs> see the pyramids, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, and if you had one superpower, what would you ask for? Ah... I actually asked some teammates this a while ago. Um, I think the superpower that I would have would be to read minds, but it would be on my command. It would only be if I wanted to. That's a dangerous superpower. It is. Very dangerous. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you want to follow Claire on social media, you can get her on Seal Abbott 5. That's on Twitter. Um, Claire, thank you so much for stopping by. Good luck with the rest of the season and with doing good in the world thank you so much it was a pleasure that is it for this edition you might also enjoy our recent shows with josh Steele and connor mainly if you haven't already please subscribe via your preferred podcast provider or just ask alexa or google or various devices to play the mvp cast it's always great to hear from you as well if you want to reach out to me get me on twitter at mark Brooke. another edition coming very soon but for me mark woods thank you so much for listening and it's goodbye <laughs> <laughs>